0: Someone could come to your landing page or click on an ad and spend 10 seconds with you. And you know, on paper, maybe that looks like a, a click or you know, it's a click, it's something to, to look at, but it's nowhere near as valuable to a brand as someone spending 15 minutes listening to a podcast.
1: Welcome to our weekly show, Brands at Podcasts, where we focus on one thing only, showing you behind the scenes of how some of the best brands in the world are using podcasting to grow. All right, Ash, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Maybe to start, if you could just give us a quick overview of what Buffer is and your role there.
0: Yeah, so Buffer is a software company. We're actually turning think, 10 years old next month in November or, you know, 10 years from when our founder wrote the first line of code. And we we serve small businesses in the social media space. So we offer kind of complete social media management solutions to kind of very small, small and some larger businesses. So everything from like scheduling posts to analytics and engagement tools.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I've been following the journey. You all have done a really good job of I I think being one of the first companies to lean into like transparent marketing, almost like I'm not sure if that's the right phrase, how you all would categorize it. And we can kind of get into that a little bit amongst this podcast combo. But yeah, I've been following along like that really captured my attention like years ago. So it's, it's awesome to see the longevity you all have had and the growth you've had along the journey
0: yeah I think that was kind of a key part. I don't think it was kind of necessarily meant as a marketing strategy. It was just kind of Joel and Leo kind of sharing what they were going through, but it turned into like one of our strongest kind of early drivers of growth was just like everyone knew buffer for the transparency, the remote work, the sharing salaries, like all of this stuff. and yeah, that was a really big kicker into our growth and and probably something we'll we'll cover later as well.
1: yeah and speaking of that, so maybe to set a little context here could you share just where the company is now in terms of whatever metrics you know you think are relevant or useful for the audience to have as context whether that be team size number of customers revenue you know things like that
0: yeah so another great part of transparency is there's kind of nothing to to hide it from you <laughs> so we're coming up to about 90 people on the team and around 20 22 million a year in revenue, it's kind of fluctuated up and down a lot this year, based on coronavirus and how the economy's been going. But yeah, around kind of that twenty million a year revenue, and around about seventy thousand paying customers, and a few million free users, and like a hundred thousand of those are active each month.
1: I've been really impressed with your podcast executions with the Science of Social Media podcast and breaking brand, and then you also did an audio first conference called Built to Last with Wistia, which we can get into here, but to get up to 20 million ARR, 70,000 paying customers, millions of free customers, like what marketing strategies have you all used primarily? Obviously podcasting being one, but other than that, how have you gone to market?
0: Our biggest driver of growth is, always has been kind of word of mouth. I think in a way, You know, we've been kind of lucky with that, but I think also, you know, we've always put a lot of focus on support and kind of giving everyone that signs up, hopefully, you know, the best possible experience and having a great product. And I think just also like all of the transparency stuff that really helped in the early days of driving word of mouth. We were getting coverage from like big publications. A lot of people were talking about Buffer and the unique culture and the way we operate. And that was kind of a big driver of word of mouth, which has, has still continued. I think our, our strong brand has really helped us there. And then the other drivers have always been content. Our blog has been pretty huge now for like eight, nine years across the we have like two blogs. And across those, we're at about 1.5 million sessions per month now. And you know, we drive a huge amount of signups through through search and the blogs. So yeah, I think word of mouth and content are our two big levers that we've always focused on. And, you know, they always have performed well for us. So we always just double down whenever we get a chance to and and focus there.
1: Yeah. And that fits perfectly with like the segue into podcasting, because, you know, I kind of equate word of mouth to like what you mentioned is like a strong brand, like people aren't going to share Something that they don't feel connected to. And brand is usually a great tool to help build that connection and like have a brand that people want to follow and talk about, as well as delivering on the experience of the product, of course. But, you know, it seems like in the early days and maybe historically, primarily Buffer has leaned on written content. What made you want to launch first the science of social media, which I believe launched several years ago? And then, and then moving into an actually even higher produced, shorter series, but a very deep dive in a unique angle, which we can get into, called Breaking Brand. Like what made you want to go from written content to podcasting?
0: So I think like moving into podcasting, there's a couple of points. Like one of them, I always kind of think about like expanding our content offerings in terms of like defensibility. So, you know, like I say, we have tons of visitors to our blogs at the moment but like 70 percent of that comes from google and you know we're only ever one algorithm update away from losing big chunks of that and you know with a podcast it's another opportunity for us to create a space where we can you know not necessarily own our audience but you know we can have thousands of people that subscribe to something that we produce and you know it's kind of not being so reliant on speaking to our customers or reaching new people through just like one channel through search or through the blog or whatever it is. And I think as well, like in 2017, when we launched it, podcasting was really starting to take off. And it just gave us another way to build relationships with customers. So I think a lot about my role. So I kind of lead all of our content efforts at Buffer. And I think about my role in terms of, can I build an audience of people that look like our target customers? So it doesn't have to be, you know, people aren't going to listen to our podcast and instantly sign up and instantly start paying Buffer. But if I can build an audience of people that look like our ideal customers and the people that do kind of eventually go on to become customers and use Buffer, then that's great. And you know, also like I don't think a sign up is like the be all and end all of building an audience, right? So, the example I always use is Basecamp. Like I am a member of their audience. I subscribe to the podcast. I read the blog. I follow Jason on Twitter, but I don't use the product. You know, I don't have the need for it right now. But I would happily recommend Basecamp to anyone who needs a product project management tool. And I think about it in those terms at Buffer, right? Like if I was in Basecamp's funnel, I'd have fallen out mid-funnel. They would kind of ignore me. They'd say that was, you know, lost spend. But actually, I'm a member of their audience, and I will talk about them positively. And I think Wistia, um, for its like brand affinity marketing, like they have a really great way of describing it. But for me, it's just like, you know, podcasting was another way to build an audience and like deepen relationships with people. Instead of you know spending a couple of minutes on a blog, maybe they'll spend 15 minutes with us every week when we release the show. So yeah, the motivations were like defensibility, expanding our content offering. And then also just kind of having the opportunity to build an audience of people that kind of really actually care about buffer and you know feel feel close to the brand.
1: Oh man, there's so much there to unpack. That was that was a really great breakdown. And I think a very forward-thinking way to look at it, which can be challenging. And I'd be curious to hear how You would recommend other brands to maybe approach this problem, which is to your point if you look at like maybe a metrics dashboard or you look at like funnel conversions or things like that, which can actually even just be hard to track from the podcast to a conversion anyway. But like to your point, you know, Buffer would maybe look at, you know, Ash on a piece of paper as having not converted and thus it was not successful. But that's not true because you actually, it sounds like you're an evangelist for the brand, even though you haven't signed up yet. And it's not to say you won't sign up in the future either. Yeah, yeah. So how can they measure that? Yeah, how do they actually like bridge that gap between what could appear to be based on like an incorrect potentially analysis, it could appear to be like a lost opportunity or an opportunity that didn't work compared to what it actually is in the customer's mind or the potential customer's mind?
0: I kind of look at it in audience size or like engaged audience size. And, you know, there's, I think, you know, generally podcast analytics, we're very much a work in progress, but I look at, you know, the number of people that subscribe to the show and then the number of listens we get in like first 30 days of new episodes to kind of tell me how big is our audience who's listening then you know, across email, it's how many people actually open the emails that we send them. And the blog, we have like an engaged reader metric, which is the number of people that come back to more than two times per month and spend at least one minute per session with us. And that kind of gives us this number of like, people that are engaged and in, in our audience. So it's not just a number of people reached, it's people actually spending quality time with us. And Like that's by no means perfect. It doesn't tell everything that we want to know, but it shows me that things are going in the right direction or the wrong direction. And what we're doing is kind of connecting and resonating with people. And, you know, like we do look at trial started from all of the different sources. We pay attention to all of that stuff too. But, you know, in in content, my goal is, can I build an audience of people that look like our ideal customers? And, you know, that's kind of my not sole focus but that's the number one metric i want to move
1: totally and having them spend a good amount of time as much time as possible more time trending in that direction of more time with you every week every month like that sort of thing
0: yeah that's it like someone could come to your landing page or click on an ad and spend 10 seconds with you and you know on paper maybe that looks like a a click or you know it's a click it's something to to look at but it's nowhere near as valuable to a brand as someone spending 15 minutes listening to a podcast or coming back to your blog three times and reading three posts. You know, that's real connection. And that's the stuff that actually kind of makes an impact on people and puts buffer in their kind of at the top of their mind when they think about social media software.
1: How do you look at the different channels? So obviously, you have a ton of experience and incredible results with the blog and and written content as well as I would presume your your newsletter and social. How would you look at those in comparison to the podcast for the markers that you're judging success by, which are an engaged audience and time spent? Like, obviously, the podcast, I would assume, is the highest amount of time spent, but maybe on the lower end of like total size of audience. But I'm not sure. Like I could, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. But then, do you sort of like normalize that data at all to understand like it's, it's true impact, you know, not just on like top line numbers or anything, or like, how do you, do you even look at the differences between those channels in that way? Or like, how do you think about that?
0: I do look at it, but I don't give like too much time or I guess importance to it. Cause I think like a lot of this stuff, it's kind of trusting your gut and your intuition. Like I know, know, for example, our podcast gets about twenty five thousand downloads per week, but you know the blog might be four hundred and fifty thousand sessions that week. So the podcast is much smaller, but with the podcast, sixty percent of our audience are getting towards the end, and you know that's ten to fifteen minutes of time spent with us. And we have experimented with looking at is there a way to kind of create some sort of Overarching time spent metric that can work across all mediums. But I think it's just hard to actually trust the data. So, you know, like the way Google Analytics measures session and time on page, I don't fully, well, I don't trust it, but it's not, you know, a fully accurate measure for what we want. So, yeah, like we do kind of look at it. But I think as a company, like we're so, you know, we know our own metrics so well that we can kind of be a judge of it and a judge of the importance of. Of what each one means.
1: Believing in the strategy and then like using qualitative and quantitative data and feedback, it sounds like, to like know that you're going in the right direction with that or not.
0: Yeah, I think feedback is a huge one. Like I think that's kind of the best. Um <laughs> you know, whenever someone says to me, We listen to breaking brand and we really learned something or we changed the way we think about marketing, even on Our teams are like built to last the conference we've done with Wistia. You know, there are a few people that kind of said to me, some of these episodes have actually helped me to rethink how I think about marketing and what we want to do here. And yeah, you're not going to get that from everyone, but that really helps. And I think the most fun one I've ever heard was someone actually listened to Breaking Brand and now works at Pattern Brands, which is the company that we featured
1: in that series. So yeah, that was
0: super fun to hear. (laughs)
1: <laughs> helping people get jobs. That's yeah. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's, that's perfect. I would love to talk through the difference between the science of social media, which was your first podcast, and then breaking brand, and how you thought about the strategies for each if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the background on how you approach those shows.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'll start with the science of social media as like the original. And um, that was was started by Brian Peters and Haley Griffiths, and Brian he's now moved on to Shopify, and Haley is still with Buffer. She runs all of our like internal comms and PR at the moment. And the approach we kind of took with the science of social media was to kind of translate the success we'd had on the blog to audio format. And each week, like Brian and Haley would either interview someone about a social media topic or jump on and talk about like something that was relevant to that week, something that they'd seen going on in the industry. And really we kind of just like, we produced that in-house, you know, Brian learned how to edit a podcast. I've now taken that over and learned audition and how to actually put together a show. But yeah, that was kind of just testing out podcasting for Buffer, seeing what podcasting could do for us. And, you know, through consistently posting weekly episodes for probably like 18-90 weeks in a row and promoting it across you know all the other channels we have we were able to grow a really strong audience there that actually really enjoyed the content and I think you can like scroll through the reviews on Apple Podcasts and see how many people enjoy it and love the shortness of it because I think it's there are so many podcasts, especially in marketing that go on for hours and, and that's great. But like people like the science of social media just to get a quick bite of what's going on or to learn something new in 15 minutes. And that was, yeah, I guess kind of built to serve our existing audience and just kind of to be a new way to connect with that existing audience. And then breaking brand was kind of a completely different thing for us. So probably 18 months ago we had like a deep dive into target customers and we identified like direct consumer brands as a really good kind of segment of buffer customers so they're always kind of focused on the latest social trends they use the latest features they're big on visuals big on Instagram and they are kind of one of our ideal customers and we decided to focus a lot of our efforts on kind of building features specifically for that audience. And then also kind of change, turning our marketing to focus on those people. And as a company, like we're not, we're not e-commerce experts, right? Like we're not a Shopify or a brand like that that lives and dies by e-commerce. It was something new to us. So Breaking Brand was kind of launched as a way for us to build, or the idea came around to kind of build a show to help us essentially Launch into that space to build some credibility in the DTC e commerce space, kind of build a bit of trust with people in that industry, and also just to learn how the industry works. So, I think with that show, we had goals like, you know, number of listeners and time spent with us and things like that that we wanted to hit. But I also kind of dressed it up as like, there are many different ways you can win through this show. And one of them was just, you know, the time we spent with the characters in the show. So I should probably explain like Breaking Brand followed a company called Gin Lane. And they're one of the, or were one of the world's like premier branding agencies for consumer companies. I think they would helped launch about 50 startups worth like combined 15 billion. Like they were the best of the best at what they do. And this... Breaking brand kind of followed them as they shut down that super successful agency and then built and launched their own direct to consumer brand. And for us, as kind of, I guess, e commerce rookies, just being able to spend time with them along this journey and to find out how they were doing it, what they were doing, what the process of starting and building an e commerce brand from scratch was, that was kind of invaluable. And also, Yeah, I was interviewing with them, spending a lot of time in the studio talking to the team. But, you know, for our 90 person team to all get that insight and to get those to be able to listen in and be a fly on the wall. That was super valuable for us. So, yeah, I guess kind of like two different tactics, like science of social media, serving existing audience, then breaking brand, launching and and building trust with a, a new audience.
1: I love the framing of that, too, which is like worst case scenario we are just going to learn we're basically going to speed up our learning in the d2c world which is has now been identified as one of our core like personas we'll probably speed up our learnings and like analysis of that customer segment by like years by doing this over a period of months
0: yeah i think that was it it was just like you know i like to with kind of all podcasting projects kind of say like okay yeah the main goal is this but even if it falls on its face no one listens no one cares like actually this is still a win for us or it might not be internal learning but there's always more than one way to win with a podcasting project and i like to kind of focus on that because i think yeah you can do your best to create a great show and to launch it right and to get people listening but you can't really force that and you know like we didn't know that people were gonna enjoy and love breaking brand and I think, yeah, it was just like as soon as we were told the story and like there was an opportunity to work with Gin Lane and Pattern Brands and make it happen, it was like, yeah, 100% we're doing this. And we hope people will listen. We think people will listen. It's a really great story. But we're getting to spend like 10, 15 hours with some of the best brand builders in the world. Like <laughs> the money we're to into producing this show is nothing <laughs> compared to what those consultancy hours would be. So, yeah.
1: Totally. And how so how did that look? So the science of social media was, was, I mean, it was rocking, you know, at that point, like you all had been doing that for probably a couple years at that point when you ended up launching Breaking Brand. So that was, to your point, like an extension of the blog. And this was a completely new format. I really encourage everyone to go check out Breaking Brand because most brands have not produced A podcast of this style. It's very storytelling narrative style. I think it's five or six episodes really wraps you up in the story and wants you to, you know, really, you know, you really feel compelled to keep listening to every episode to sort of hear how the story unfolds. So you said you had some goals going into it, quantifiable, and then obviously the qualitative ones, but how did Breaking Brand end up performing amongst those initial goals that you had? And the cool thing I'll also mention here is like, it's probably just an ongoing asset for you as well because you actually have like, you know, the, your own website for it essentially. And this is like, ever. this is an evergreen story. It's not like time sensitive or, you know, the strategy. It's not like a strategy-based podcast that these particular modalities are only gonna be a bit useful for a period of time. Like this thing is probably still performing for you in a lot of ways and maybe you're using it still in certain ways. But I'm curious, how did it end up performing amongst and compared against your initial thoughts about it?
0: Over like the first few months it was out, it generated it had about like three thousand two and a half to three thousand subscribers and over twenty-five thousand listens. So kind of niche in compared to the science of social media, but that was kind of what the show was designed to be to serve a kind of specific Niche and to go really, really deep there. So it kind of performed well and yeah, kind of along what we had hoped for. You know, we got kind of lucky in that we were featured on Apple Podcasts in the UK for a couple of days on the homepage around launch. And, you know, that really helped us to to connect with some new people. But yeah, the, the listeners and I think like the completion rates were also really impressive. So People were completing, like, on average, 83% of people would complete an episode. That was, like, really, really good because not only were people, like, downloading it, they were getting into the series, they were listening, staying around, coming back for the next episode. So, you know, we could see through the analytics, people were, you know, listening to episode one. And then, yeah, there was a drop-off, you know, at every stage, but a good percentage of people were starting at episode one and would finish at episode five.
1: And are you still using it proactively anyway, like maybe you're you've identified in other channels, you know, D to C potential customers or current customers that maybe you're like you're sending it to and like, and and maybe, you know, anecdotal feedback, like you said, which is hugely valuable. You know, did you see a good number of that from the show in comparison to the social science of social media?
0: Yeah, so we did have like a lot of people talking about it, saying how they really enjoyed it, like they really enjoyed the kind of storytelling aspect of it and being able to follow that story from start to finish. And, you know, that was really, really great. But as you say, it's an an asset for us. And you know, it was last November that we launched it. And I think like just in the past two or three months, I've done like free interviews around breaking brand and talking about that project and how it performed for us. So yeah, it's, you know, nearly a year on and we're still talking about it. It's an asset that we can still promote. It's featured, you know, heavily on the homepage of one of our blogs and, you know, something that will always be there. It's not going to go out of date.
1: Including this, this interview we're doing right now, being (laughs) one of those. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Well, yeah. Again, like really encourage everyone to to definitely check out science and social media and then breaking brand to see those differences in executions there. I think there's a lot of room for brands to explore unique concepts and not having to follow like the same playbook that is obvious and maybe having unique spins on them. But like this one completely breaking the mold and just like starting from first principles, what's the audience we want to build? And then like, what's something completely creative we could come up with to do that? So what marketing approaches have you seen? Obviously Buffer, some would argue, well, Buffer has a huge head start because they've already got a big audience and things like that, which is true. But like, are there any marketing approaches to growing a podcast that you think are under the radar, that you think are interesting, you've experimented with or seen that, don't get enough attention or like how do you think about marketing the shows
0: i think like first just consistency is always the winner like if you just start and commit to 20 30 episodes and like assess things after that but i think just committing to get in the routine and actually publishing regularly is the first step to actually growing it and then i think beyond that it's just like repurposing. The content so I think like podcasting is an incredible medium but even if no one listens to your podcast like that time is not wasted like you're you're speaking to interesting people in your industry that could fuel months and months of blog content it's stuff that you can put out across social it's things to feature in your email it could even be stuff to hand to your product team and give feedback to know the the teams on what you want to build and how your product could be more useful. It's I think yeah, kind of seeing podcasting as a proxy for like getting closer to your customers. Um I know that's not necessarily a marketing tactic, but you know, I think using podcasting as the inspiration for a, a bunch of your your other marketing is, you know, really great. Like for, for us, every podcast interview we do is customer research. It's something that we can pick something out from it's something that we can you know think about a trend see how a business is using social we can pass that around buffer and use it we can yeah like as I say chop it up put it in emails put it out on social and I think just like podcasting as podcasting is fuel for everything else you do is kind of under the radar a little bit like more companies should be doing that
1: we totally agree with that how are you executing on that like is it formulaic or is it dependent on the actual episode itself like or do you say okay every podcast episode is going to turn into not only just the show notes page or like the the dedicated page on your site or what have you but it's actually going to turn into a standalone article it's going to turn into x number of social posts it's going to turn into a newsletter like is there a formula behind it or is it a little bit more ad hoc depending on the content
0: yeah for us it's It's definitely a bit more like sporadic and and ad hoc. We have like some formulaic stuff. So, you know, like every episode will become, you know, a social post. It will become an email. But I would love to kind of get even more granular and be like, you know, each episode should be 10 to 15 pieces of content because I think that's totally doable. But, yeah, we haven't kind of fully leaned into that yet in terms of like, you know, it must be 15 pieces. I think a lot of it will just be stuff that happens in passing. So we'll record an episode and then I'll just say to, you know, Mike, one of our product marketers, I'll say, I'll heard this from whoever we interviewed last week. And this might be really useful for you. Sometimes it's kind of retroactively looking at podcast analytics. So we had an episode about a month ago about how local businesses can use social media and that's been our biggest episode of the year so that's a topic that I've kind of been able to go back to and say well that clearly connected you know how can I break that episode down into two or three blog posts like what are the key points can I do some more interviews around that topic so yeah we're a bit bit more yeah sporadic and and all over the place but I would love to work towards becoming more uh, more formulaic and defined with exactly what we do with each episode.
1: Totally, and and to your point, like there's just so much content in in the audio that a lot of companies who are producing a podcast maybe leave it on the table, and so the fact that you all are repurposing it is great. And like I think again, it's like a forward thinking approach to using a podcast, and we and we say it all the time, which is maybe some audience members will never listen to the podcast just cuz like they've seen it they've seen it come across their feed they've seen it in the newsletter they just aren't podcast listeners for whatever reason but we still want them to get the value of the show and the content in the show cuz it is valuable on the on the platforms that they do prefer consuming content on and so so it leaves a lot a lot of opportunity on the table if you're not doing that
0: another thing that we're also kind of looking at for kind of moving forward is like we have a a buffer community platform where some of our customers and like kind of advocates just get together and discuss all things social, talk about work, kind of troubleshoot for each other. And we also have been thinking about like content and podcasting as extras for that community. So, you know, every episode has things that are left on the cutting room floor, things that don't make it. Every blog post has bits that are edited out. And You know, as our community, like our kind of 5% of biggest fans, like actually, maybe these people want the DVD extras. They want the behind the scenes stuff. So the stuff that doesn't make the final cut, we're also looking at like how we can use that going ahead to kind of give extra to the people that really want it.
1: Those like super fans essentially, and like giving giving them even more to help like feed into Them continuing to be a super fan of Buffer, and there's platforms now. Supercast is one of those. Glow.fm is another one to help help with the actual technology stack behind delivering private, like bonus content podcast episodes on on feed. So that's yeah, that's a really interesting use case that I think is going to happen a lot more as well in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Almost like client nurturing. In looking at all this. Let's say you, you had someone come to you and they're a peer, but they're not in the same, you know, industry or anything like that. And, and they're on a marketing team and they're looking at launching a podcast. Like, how would you help advise them on, and this is obviously quite broad because we don't know the specifics of yeah. like the the market and like where they are in their marketing journey and things like that. But how would you advise them from a high level perspective to think about if it's something they should do or not?
0: I think the first thing I would look at is just kind of, do you have something to say? Like, do you have an opinion? Do you have a vision? A mission, something that you want to share with the world that will be interesting to your audience. Because I think, like your audience, your target audience, they're not sat out there waiting for your podcast. Like they're not craving it. So before you start, you need to have a unique angle. You need to have something to say that's really going to kind of capture the attention of your audience and make them care. I think it's very easy to just say okay, we'll pick up a mic from Amazon, we'll start recording interviews and we'll just throw them out there. But I think you need to have like a unique perspective and something clear to say. Otherwise people just aren't really going to care about what you're putting out there. So before you do anything, I would just kind of nail down the positioning of your show and what your angle is, what your opinion on your industry is and why anyone would care about it and why someone would want to listen
1: to it. Totally agree. The first step is not like what mics should you use and all that stuff, which is what a lot of people think. But it, it is like, what is the show going to be? And why would people want to listen? So I, I totally agree with you. And I also think maybe you are at a company that like is developing that stance or your opinion or your expertise and like you're on the path to building that. And this this could be a way to help like speed that up too, where you just get opportunity to speak with experts or develop stories around the industry. And that helps inform your position a little bit more and your opinions on things. And and maybe it's like an evolving process as well. But I definitely think like working on that structure in the in the foundation in the beginning is like absolutely crucial.
0: Definitely. I think as well, like that could even be your show. At least there's a journey there. There's, you know, we're figuring things out. Come along on the ride with us. We're going to talk to interesting people on the way. Like, at least there's a hook there. And I think that's just the main thing is just, yeah, figuring out why someone would want to listen and what journey you're taking them on throughout the series. You know, like the science of social media, it's I guess the hook is like learn something new about social in 15 minutes. And with breaking brand, it was kind of almost like masterclass. It was just like, you can listen to the world's best brand builders as they build a new company of their own. And not many people have access to that. So yeah, those two angles kind of came before we started you know, really recording.
1: Why it's important is because it helps inform all your decisions. And there's a lot of decisions that get made about building and launching a show. But if you have the that lens in the beginning, like what the end goal is, what are the listeners going to get out of this at the end? What's the hook? then that helps inform all your micro decisions too. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit here as we kind of get close to a close on the Built to Last audio conference. It was the first of that kind of conference that I had ever seen and was really curious, obviously being in podcasting, like was really curious to check it out. You co-produced it with Wistia and it was an audio first conference. Can you explain a little bit about like what that was and why you ended up wanting to do it and maybe any results or feedback you saw in comparison to what's happening a lot right now obviously is like online of you know more traditional online events
0: yeah i think like the idea of a conference has been something that's been floating around buffer for years now and we just never kind of found a way to do it that felt uniquely ours and the idea for an audio conference was actually something that Jake, the CEO of a company called Message heard kind of shared. So they're our production company that we work with on breaking brand and then built to last. And he'd kind of shared this idea that, you know, everything that you can achieve at a conference, you can actually achieve through audio. And I just really liked that concept with playing around with the idea of doing another podcast project. And it was kind of... A response to like zoom fatigue and you know we did start planning just before like COVID-19 shut the world down so I'm in the UK and I've signed up to countless webinars that I've never ended up attending because you have to be online at your computer at 8 p.m UK to, to take part and I just never do because I don't want to be sat in front of my laptop at this time and it's just like audio I loved the the fact that you could, we could create a, a conference that would happen on the listener schedule so they can listen whenever they want, take part whenever they want. And also, from a production standpoint, we could create really polished, really well put together talks that don't have that awkward two or three minutes of the st- at the start of, can you hear me? Is my connection okay? Can you see my slides? <laughs> so it was kind of, yeah, I guess being anti everything else that's that's been going on with the world of online conferences and, and just conferences in general since they've been forced to to move online and that one it was kind of yeah we wanted to do the conference and so at the start of the year I put together like a set of narratives for Buffer and that kind of drives a lot of our focus for content so you know we had four narratives and everything we did kind of wanted to fit within one of those narratives and stories that we wanted to put out into the market so for example one of them was like you can't build a sustainable business that's propped up by ads and vc money it's just like eventually the bubble's going to burst or you know you're going to realize when you switch off the ads the customers stop coming in and a belief that to build a brand that's going to be around for the next 10 15 20 years maybe longer you really need to be thinking about the brand side of it, right? It's not about just building a business and selling stuff to customers. It's building a brand and something that people really care about. So that was kind of where the idea of Built to Last itself came from, was like, let's put together a conference that helps people understand what it takes to build a company that has genuine fans, that has you know customers that not only use their software, but love everything they stand for and will kind of, be with them for the long haul. So, yeah, that was the I guess yeah, a bit of a ramble on how it all came together and uh yeah, then, you know, after we started planning, we start reached out to Wistia to partner with like we're big fans of what they're doing with all of their series and just so happened to be, you know, we're still working on their podcasting pro- podcast product that came out a couple of days ago, so it was, you know, the perfect time to collaborate with them, but yeah, it enabled us to kind of reach Another audience and get more people on board, and yeah, in the end, we had just over six thousand people register for for Built to Last, which was kind of really impressive. Like, blew me away from what we were targeting.
1: Wow, that's incredible. I just think it's interesting seeing how audio, sort of the on-demand audio use case, is of course a core like proposition of podcasting, and like I, I think personally, podcasting is extremely early days still the number of companies that will start using it over the next five years is is going to be way more than are currently but still there's other use cases like this for on-demand audio and like what you mentioned before like private podcasts or bonus private podcast content for clients and customers and things like that and super fans. so it's cool to see you all executing and innovating in this space a lot. And I really appreciate your time here, Ash, like dropped a lot of knowledge. It's impressive what you all are doing and managing and continuing to push the envelope. So I guess, you know, last question would be, if you had a magic eight ball and you could see into the future, what would you say is going to be the future of podcasting for brands? over whatever time horizon this looks like you would look out to two years, five years, 10 years, like, what do you, what do you see as that future?
0: A couple of things come to mind. So I think first, I think we're going to see brands getting braver. It's not always going to be an interview style show. I think we'll see more people or more brands kind of going down the deep editorial focus of like telling stories and going like really, Deep on a set topic across a number of episodes in a series, I think like that's just an evolution that we'll see. And I also think like the model of kind of podcasting and just generally kind of building a rapport between the people behind your brand and your customers will be a big thing. So kind of like I think reality TV marketing has been talked about a little bit with few brands, but I think it's the brands that win in the future will be the ones where the customers can name people. They can name the developers building the tool. They can name the marketers, the people running the company. And I think like that's going to be super important. Like when I look at, you know, some of the the brands I'm close to and a lot of them are media brands because that's what they're best at. You know, like Morning Brew, I follow Austin, the the co-founder on Twitter. I follow like four or five of their team on Twitter and I kind of build a rapport with the brand through them. So I think we'll see more and more brands like using, using podcasts as like a proxy to just build relationships with customers and to kind of break down that, I guess break down the fourth wall of like, there are actually people building the software and building this business. (laughs) And I think that's going to be it. Like that's for me, that's like one of the most exciting parts of podcasting is being able to, to do that and, to actually connect with customers and for them to know who we are and what we care about. Because I think we're seeing it in the consumer space where consumers care a lot more about, you know, where the wood for their furniture is sourced and how their trainers are made. And I think we're going to see more and more of that creep over. And we're already kind of seeing it to the B2B space where it's like, not only does your your business, your software do the job I need it to do, like, are you being a net positive for the community? Are you making a positive impact on the world and I think as that becomes more and more important so do the people and the stories behind the brands and podcasting is the way to tell those
1: well you can officially drop the mic right now (laughs) that was (laughs) that was some heat I love it I totally agree especially as software you you could argue is becoming more commoditized just by nature of it getting easier to build more people getting interested in building products more competition and so then it's like well how are you going to compete you know if the feature set is relatively similar you can compete on price but you can also compete on brand and like this is it like who's behind the brand what does the brand care about what is the brand doing to help their customers and like help me as a potential customer on my journey and things like that and this is all what you're describing here I love it. Awesome. Ash, well, really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate you spending the time and sharing some wisdom here on the show. Obviously, really encourage everyone to go check out the show, Science of Social Media and Breaking Brand, so You can see exactly the playbooks that Ash and the team have been executing on. And obviously follow Buffer. And I don't know if you want me to or not, Ash, but I did want to plug something new that it sounds like you're working on on the side, which is called The Media, A New Journalism like platforms to deliver news, I, I think, if I'm describing the the proposition correctly in a non-biased, factual-based way, yeah. which can be challenging in today's day. So kudos to you on that. And is there anywhere else specific, you know, that or anywhere else specific you'd like to point people to?
0: I have a blog that I post to occasionally, which is um, So. W-R-I-T-E-S dot C-O. Um, There's like a few thoughts around there around like some of the, the stuff we've discussed today. And then Twitter, I'm just Ash Reed underscore. So yeah, thank you so much for giving me the chance to shout some things out and appreciate you having me on Eric.
1: Totally. Everyone go follow Ash. Appreciate it. We'll see you later. Thank you.